I feel rusty. I know. Out of practice. Are this is going? my first time doing this, so let's see how it goes. Are you rolling? Okay. <laughs> it's been so long, I don't know how to start. Welcome to On the Line. My name is Christina Kay. And I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Ryan Dite. Hi. Okay. Usually I introduce you, but oh, hi. Uh, okay. Ryan Dite is... Sorry. Oh, well, he... I can understand why you would feel so confident. Ryan is with us every day. He is me, but with different parts. Uh, so we do this. We do okay. a lot of the same work. We create all the content here. Um, and he is the director of digital strategy here at the Mullings Group. So obviously has a big hand in the content that we create. So we thought it'd be great to have him on because today we're going to talk about some big news that broke at the end of last week about Facebook's new algorithm. I just want to say as a disclaimer, we are not here to say what is right or wrong about what Facebook is going to do with the content that they push on people's feeds. That is not what we are here to talk about. We are here to say that there's a lesson to be learned from what Zuckerberg said about the kinds of content people like to see. And there's a way to apply that to the content you create as a business, specifically the way we create content for LinkedIn. And there have been certain metrics, certain methods that have proven to be successful. And in some ways, they resonate with some of the things that Zuckerberg was saying. So... Uh, we just want to talk about how to make sure that you're focused on the personal when you're creating content for your company. So, Yeah, and, and I think it's really interesting, and this is Joe Mullings, if my voice sounds a little different than usual. Um, I've had a side hustle on a 1-900 number. No, really, I'm just getting over that flu. So um, it's a little deeper than usual. Um, you know, I think I think Facebook's interesting on what they're doing right now. Um, and I'm applauding uh, uh, Zuckerberg for what he's doing too, because you know, and it's easy to do when you have that kind of massive wealth. So let's just start mm-hmm. out there. Right. Um, but I, I applaud him for what he's doing because I think everybody who even uses Facebook has already felt the oh my god, it's just a big sales catalog coming at me all the time. But we have to keep in mind as we look at LinkedIn and we look at Facebook and we look at Insta, the three bigs that we even study. Where is the money made? And what are the expectations of the voyeur who's on that platform, right? Because the same person gets on LinkedIn, they're looking for something different than when they get on Facebook, than when they get on Instagram. So I I think it's interesting to also keep that in mind Mm -hmm. because the piece of content on Instagram, Christine, as you always point out, Ryan, as you always point out, um, doesn't resonate the same way, even though it could be the same picture and the same, you know, uh, sort of quote. It mm-hmm. just feels different on all three platforms. Absolutely. But I, I do think what's interesting about his statement in, in general is that it's getting at the core of, I think, what social media as a whole is about. And uh, while each platform and the delivery of this is is different contextually, there's a universal attempt to make interpersonal connections mm-hmm. on every one of these platforms. Um, you're right. Trying, it's social media. Right. That's the idea. Um it's trying to bring people closer together. It's it's another, um, it's like the evolution uh, of, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to bring up Marshall McLuhan again, but it's the evolution of media and the interconnectivity of everything um, right. and, and us as individuals. Right, and I think, you know, I've, I've read a lot of these articles about this move and, and every article seems to put this one line from him that he wants to prioritize, quote unquote, meaningful content. I love that every article is quoting it because it's like, well, what does that mean? But we know what that means. Meaningful content means 
stories, the things that relate to the interpersonal. This isn't new. This goes back to the hero's journey. This is what we've always, we've been in campfires telling stories. And, you know, LinkedIn is interesting. We are, we're, we're really active on LinkedIn more than any other platform because we are a business and we make content to promote our business and to promote the businesses that we work with as a recruiting firm, right? So when we are looking at the content we make, we don't want to make an ad. We don't want to make another corporate video. We don't want to make like schlocky, uh, you know, sort of vanilla, boring, speak to the camera about how you you work at paradise. You know, we don't want that. We want to tell these stories because that's what people have always been attracted to. So meaningful content, you know, this shouldn't make you afraid if you're a, a business who's thinking about creating, you know, digital awareness around yourself. You can still be meaningful, especially on LinkedIn, because LinkedIn is not a marketing platform. It's not where you go to advertise your brand new hairbrush that you invented. It's where you go. Not to, overtly. Not overtly. Sure. Yes, okay. of course. So let's make sure we, let's really make sure every single move on LinkedIn right. is with a marketing or sales intention, right? And that's what storytelling is. Right. But we are focusing very much on the people involved. Agreed. Because it's all profiles. Literally, it's the profiles of the people at your business. Who are they? What What are they doing? What compels them? What brings them to work? That's already on LinkedIn. You're just not figuring out how to maximize that, right? That's what we do. We say, okay, this content's already out there, right? Your, your employee already has a, a page with the picture that they chose and the information they chose to share and the articles that they chose to share. So they're already giving you a sense of who they are. You just have to figure out how to maximize that to create awareness around them. And then you're right, also the brand and then the product. It's all, it's symbiotic, but you don't have to go straight to the, hey, I got this brand new snake oil. You can you kind of go through the way of creating this quote unquote meaningful content. Yeah, the 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 interesting thing though, and, and it comes back to somebody said this a while back is, is, Marketing companies ruin everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? The sec- if you really want to look at whether it's when your first favorite magazine came out, right? And they didn't have a lot of advertisers, but they had content, right? Or when Facebook come at- came out and it wasn't the go-to move because they haven't figured out how to really make the money on Facebook, right? It was a lot more enjoyable because you had more purity of content. But the second that the marketers realize how to take advantage of something – is when you went from you know one article a page to one article every forty pages in your favorite magazine or i.e. Facebook, mm-hmm. and and I think what's interesting about LinkedIn is it has remained um, a self-sustaining uh, sort of ecosystem when it comes to social, mm-hmm. uh, and people are just good or bad telling their story, personal story or their company story. It's not an advertising platform. Well, and it's one of the few platforms where, um, in general, you are very much in control of everything that you're putting out and everything that represents uh, represents you. And it's not being muddled in with uh, with other content that's necessarily like trying to to sell you something else in a, in addition. It's just about uh, making direct connections with individuals and companies or individuals to other individuals. So it leaves a lot of opportunity for you as a company or for you as an individual um, to really just focus on creating the narrative that you want to have surrounding yourself and who you who you are and, and making that as genuine as possible. I mean, that that's ideally what the focus should always be. You know, here's a thought, and I guess the two of you, because you've spent so much time and, and have so much expertise in this area, I almost look at Facebook now as 
the difference between like I'm a big fan of Publix commercials around the holidays. They just mm-hmm. do an unbelievable job. Wait, of that. Publix is a, a regional grocery store that is superior to other regional grocery stores. Right. Just in case you don't know. Right, and if you if you have a chance, go to YouTube and just Google Publix commercials around the holidays. Just put Publix commercials holidays. You, if you don't cry, you have no heart. Mm-hmm. So when I see those. I will sit through that commercial. I'll be in the middle of almost anything and watch that story, right? And I don't watch TV commercials. But the counter to that, and my question to you guys is, the worst commercials are the late night local cable commercials, Uh right? Either the used car lot guy or the toilet resurfacing guy. And you're like, who's making this commercial? And what they're doing is you're being sold something so directly that your skin crawls. So what are your thoughts on that? Is it the quality of the storytelling that has been the point that Facebook has said, hold on a second, because you have all these business owners who have no idea how to tell a story, right? And I know that because as an entrepreneur, before I, you know, we all partnered up, my storytelling would have been tremendously different on so many levels than it is today. So your thoughts on that? Is it the crappy storytelling or is it just... Well... It's no mistake that we don't call ourselves marketers, right? We are not marketing. We we work with clients and we don't market them. We create brand awareness through storytelling. And I think that that's a, that's a lesson that should be learned by everybody, whether or not you're working in media. Because at this point in time, you're not going to operate in a, in a vacuum. And more and more entrepreneurs are going to need to be thinking about their presence as a brand in conjunction and sometimes paramount to the brand that they actually created. Right. And I think that that's that's a compelling alternative is if you instead of creating uh, an ad for this thing that you invented when you were 20 years old and now you're a multimillionaire. If you talked about the journey you went through at 20 to create that product, you're talking about both and you're creating much more intrigue because people they'll find out about your product in other ways because it's in the store, it's on the streets, word of mouth, right? But they're not going to find out about how it came to be. They're not going to know that sort of origin story unless you tell it. So I think that there's just a smarter way to get the same thing done, but with a multifaceted approach that really pulls people in. Right. But is it because there's so many neophytes on Facebook trying to put out their own ads now and maybe even... Since it's a big business, there are so many lame companies putting out ads that, or they don't know how to operate in that thirty-second window. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I think it, I think it's in oversaturation, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think there's a there's a there's a overall as a culture there's a growing uh, amount of media literacy, like of comprehension of visual language and marketing tricks, and uh, like there's an awareness. A general awareness of when you're being sold to. And there's also a general awareness of when your message is somewhat disingenuous or meant to be targeted. And I think the more of these like ads that, that come out uh, on a regular basis and the more companies are trying to use ads on these platforms, the more they start to look like ads. Just like the, the television commercials that you mentioned, um, we're so familiar with that aesthetic that it's become comical, right? right. Um, it's become it's like a, a Saturday a Night Live gig, right? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the Bassmaster or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> no, and comedi- I mean, comedians play, play on those tropes all the time. I mean, if you start to be disingenuous, if you start to uh, try to convey a message that is not, uh, it's not true to yourself, it's not personal, it's not rooted in something very real, it's 
ultimately going to fall apart or or become something that you aren't totally in control of. And some people don't give it enough time. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we've learned um, and I've learned watching is the worst advertising efforts or marketing efforts or branding efforts are the one where you just have a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and a certain amount of time and you feel like that you can't build up this this story, or you're not aware that you have to, but you it, it should be building this story, this narrative, this documentation, this nobody wants to be sold overtly to, right? So, you know, a lot of people get into this now because it is so inexpensive. You can buy a camera, you can call yourself a, a, a marketer, you can, you know, put that stuff out on LinkedIn for whatever cost per click it is. And now suddenly a lot of trash Again, in the, in the eyes of the beholder, a lot of trash is out there uh, on these platforms. Well, I'd actually make the argument that the, the big disconnect is, is imagination. Because why is that guy still making the same tire commercial or, or the same menswear commercial or whatever, you know, 20, 30 years into television commercial history or whatever? Crazy Eddie. Yeah. It's, it, right. Why does it keep happening? Because it's not the resources. They uh, there's a, That's probably a pretty big production. It's imagination. They just can't think of anything else. Yeah, it's else. the same question right. in talent acquisition, right. right? So it's the same exact thing. Everybody's doing it the same other than maybe 5% of the market. Well, and to try to bring this slightly back into the article, because I do think there's a general frustration that Zuckerberg's statement is in response to and his direction. People are so aware that they're being sold to. And I guess it's... It, just sort of something to keep in mind on on any platform that you shouldn't necessarily be looking exclusively how other people are selling to you. It's good to be aware of those things, but you're not trying to mimic these sort of tactics. You should be looking uh, much more sort of reflexively at your own values and trying to figure out how to communicate them in a way that's meaningful and personal. Well, also remember that this is a huge response to quote unquote fake news. So you have to also remember to be sincere. You have to remember sure. to never be mm-hmm. cloying or artificial or to play to tropes or stereotypes. You have to always be sincere, you know, and we're not talking necessarily about like capital N news, but we're talking about information and how it's proliferated. Tell the truth and tell it well. And I think we're just seeing now the cream rise. I think people are going to learn how to respond to this algorithm on Facebook. And they are learning because in many ways, media is very new to LinkedIn. It's a new frontier and people are learning how to how to do that. I think we're sort of leading the way, I hope. Um, you just have to to make sure that what you're putting out there is true and good and 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 not, you know, not in any way uh, empty or harmful or just uh, insulting, right? Like I think a lot of advertising is insulting and you want to make sure that you're never, you're never thinking that your audience is stupid because it isn't. It's actually really smart. Right. And, and again, the right tools in the wrong hands. I come back to that too. You know, mm-hmm. you put, you put that Nikon camera you have in front of you in my hands, it's not going to nearly the effect, uh, in my hands as it will in your hands. Oh, thank right. You, and yeah, and, and, <laughs> and it's true. And then the thought process that goes into representing the, the message you're trying to provide. Yeah. And then, so who's, who's managing that? How's that going out? And then on LinkedIn, let's bring that back to LinkedIn. Um, the revenue stream on LinkedIn is not um, advertising. Mm-hmm. That's important to realize mm-hmm. in this conversation is you always follow the money, no matter whatever happens in this mm-hmm. world, um, always follow the money. So since LinkedIn's existence does not uh, uh, count on advertiser money, mm-hmm. 
marketers haven't come in and ruined it yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. So, you know, that, that, that will be, that will really be the canary in the coal mine is when you start to have paid advertising on LinkedIn, that's going to be the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it's fun and it's cute because they're self-developed, they're self-developed, uh, 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 videos of people in mm-hmm. their car, right? You look at it and you're like, oh, that's, uh, that, that's a bad background. That's bad sound, bad lighting. Or maybe you don't dependent on the message that they give you. Right. Or maybe you don't get to the message because you prejudge what that looks like from a, a technical perspective. Um, but I just, I just think on LinkedIn, that we have a tremendous window over the next 12 to 24 months before the marketers come in or not. Um, but it'll be really interesting to watch the the hints and the precursors to that because that that's when it goes sideways. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, it, I think what's, what's interesting about LinkedIn is that everything you just described makes it totally unlike every other platform and makes it in it like almost not inaccessible, but much harder for the same type of marketing to ever exist because it's never going to be about selling a product to a consumer on that platform. It'll you also never be can't do what you can do on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, which is buy likes, buy views, buy clicks. You can't, right? These things are not for sale. You no, we talk about that. Your, your, your juice on LinkedIn is always earned. Mm-hmm. It's it's not bought. You can't buy that influencer status. Right. And a lot right. of it's earned off the platform. Mm-hmm. You bring it back. Yes. You no, know, that's a great point too. So it's earned off the platform and then demonstrated on the platform, mm-hmm. right? So you can only demonstrate it on the platform if you earned it off the platform. Right. Right. And and there's really no other platform like that mm-hmm. on social right now, at least, you know, in the in the top ten or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Everything is do a stupid animal trick. Right. And you get followers, or flash a boob and you get fo- followers, <laughs> right? So I have a friend now who's in the same business as I am, and um, I'm watching him very closely because he's got a partnership with a very influential social guy, a very, very influential social guy, and he's getting guidance from this guy, and they're going into a partnership together. And just recently, he got some guidance on some things to do on the platform, and it converted to a tremendous number of followers on LinkedIn. I know a lot of people who have a tremendous following on Instagram and Facebook, and I always wonder, how do you convert that to economics? And so he got this big boost by some tactics, and now what I want to watch is that's a very unique situation to occur on LinkedIn. It doesn't happen very often. Now I want to see what's the follow-up act to that because that you know, validates do you have substance beyond that? You got the pop. Now what do you do? Well, what's interesting, you asked, how do you create revenue off of followers? And it's through the thing we're talking about, which is marketing and, and product placement and this sort of like empty stuff that then populates what you've been doing and in a lot of ways probably cheapens it. And I think it's hard to navigate both. So you're right. How do you do it with LinkedIn where that's not a that's not a thing? But I think you just you use it to enhance your reputation within your industry. Again, you you bring it from outside the platform, you bring it to the platform, and then what do you do with it? You don't sit there like everything else, you take it out again. Mm -hmm. This is a very active platform. Mm -hmm. If you are sedentary, if you are just, you know, engaged with the platform and and, and not active in your own physical, real life, it won't go anywhere. It it hits a, a dead stop. But 
that's maybe one way that LinkedIn can avoid, you know, a lot of the criticism that Facebook is getting about, you know, this addiction or this fatigue that people feel because you can't just live there. You well, you don't make the transaction on LinkedIn either, right? Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, on Facebook, you can get the impulse buy, mm -hmm. right? All, all, all LinkedIn does really well uh, is allow somebody to become aware, mm -hmm. evaluate, make a decision, and then take the conversation offline. Right. Because that's what happens. The transaction rarely occurs, if ever, on LinkedIn. Right. It occurs off the platform. It's getting back to, I think, sort of the root of what social media is based in, um, but it's, it's much harder to manipulate because that is the value. Right. If you're not actually going to respect and have a, a some kind of a transactional relationship with that person, then it doesn't really mean anything. Well, you watch it all the time. I mean, I'm on it, obviously, you know, literally 12, 14 hours a day uh, as a parallel to what I do. And the self-governance on the platform is just fabulous. Mm -hmm. And um, I think because of the intellect and the intention of people on there um, and, and the ability to create sub-communities, you can just be like, hey, Ryan, you know, I notice you do this. And then, boom, you start your dialogue on the mm -hmm. side. And that doesn't happen, I think, as frequently as it would on Facebook and certainly not Instagram because you can't have long conversations right. as easily and respectfully and knowing the person you're talking to on LinkedIn. Because I could look at Ryan's background and go, wow, wow, great. Well, look at the background. Cool. Oh, you're from here too. You went to university here. And now I know who you are um, calling you up because that's the you, you, you had to share that in order for me to have an interest. And then I can see what you've written, what you think about things, and you really don't see a lot of the infantile discussions on LinkedIn, on disagreements uh, that you do on Facebook. Right. It's what do you do? What are you doing? What can you do? And right. will you do? And, and people give for free on LinkedIn uh, at an incredible pace. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that's amazing about the platform is the generosity on there of information, direction, education, hey, try this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not that it's impossible on those other platforms to have direct interactions because they are built to to do that as well. But it's a very different tone. And there's also a very different context for that conversation and how it's occurring. And then also your understanding of that person and the way that you're viewing that person is is very different. And I, I think that's something that's very interesting about LinkedIn. And I think it's it's something that needs to sort of be paid attention to as you're sort of continuing to develop your own effort. There's not a how-to hack out there on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. right? And and I think that's because it's so challenging. And respectfully, I think other people have gone to the Facebook and the Instas because it's pretty simple, right? You know, do something stupid, do something massive, buy somebody's attention, and you have meaning on the platform. On LinkedIn, there's just, there's no advertising. There's, there's no quote-unquote you know, uh, uh, fake influencers. Um, it's not built on music, right? Overtly yet, maybe, maybe eventually one day it will be where it's built on, you know, other hobbies. It's really built on professionalism. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Johnny Knuckledragger is never going to be on LinkedIn. Right. Well, I, I will say it is important to, to be a little bit critical of LinkedIn in that they, they are definitely from a, uh, a media and presentation 
standpoints like significantly far behind the other platforms like they are not as fluid to interact with uh or linkedin is not as fluid to interact with as as it is to to go on instagram and engage with content you open up instagram and like you are you are in content immediately but i like that rye because therefore you keep a lot of the knuckleheads out right to who who might be um participating but also I think the people that would quickly interact on an Insta or on a Facebook with just shallow content wouldn't put the time in to figure out how to deploy on LinkedIn. And, and I'm not sure that's a mistake. Well, also, I think that's what people like us are doing. We're forcing them to move their hand by creating mm -hmm. the content that needs to be shared that tells the stories. So it really it comes back to what, what we started with, you know. You create the content and put it out there, and I'm I'm guarantee you, LinkedIn will find a way to make that go out appropriately. That's you know they want that engagement, but mm -hmm. it's it's also up to us as creators and as as people who 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 create awareness around around our, our businesses, other businesses, etc., to to make the content that's worth sharing. Again, I for, as first movers and nobody who's really dominated yet. Um, on LinkedIn, I really think that this that's what this group does. I mean, this is not a commercial for us, but that's what this group is going to continue to do because the the bandwidth and speed and content and influence we're having already on there is really fun to watch. And you did call it, Christina, because they have made some adjustments based upon some of the things that we've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I didn't expect it to be uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I suggested this podcast, so I did. But um, anyway, thank you for listening again. Uh, I'm Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And I'm Ryan Dyke. Hi. And this has been On the Line. Tune in again next week. Sorry we missed last week because Joe, you know, caught that flu that's like apparently the worst that's ever happened in the history of humankind or something. Uh, and all of us were spared. He very uh, dutifully bowed out for a few days, which I think is what like physically very difficult for him to actually do <laughs> so uh tune in again next week we will be back thank you bye <laughs>